Hello, and welcome to another episode of The King's Business, a podcast designed to help business leaders apply biblical principles in both their personal and professional lives. I want to thank you for joining us today, and it is my hope that you will walk away with added wisdom to your life so that you can go into the world and be a positive influence on others by doing the King's business. As always, here is the layout that each episode will generally follow. First, we will introduce this week's topic. Next, we will connect it to scriptural references and examples. Then, we will identify ways we can apply these biblical teachings into our leadership of others, both personally and professionally. Lastly, we will close with open-ended questions you can either answer personally or share with your followers or teams for deeper discussion. Well, without further ado, let's get to this week's topic, building your wise counsel. Just so we're all on the same page, let's go ahead and define counsel so we know what we're all dealing with. Counsel can be defined as advice given, especially as a result of consultation. I think it's really unique in that we should key in here on the fact that counsel is an action. I would make it a verb. So anytime we are giving or receiving counsel, it's an action. It's active. In order for us to receive good advice from those around us, we have to ask for it. We have to engage other people. This isn't the kind of thing that usually happens where someone goes, hey, you know what? You look like a person that could use some good advice. That's not going to work out that way, at least not for most of us. If you want to grow and develop as a leader or in the personal capacity, you have to go out and seek that counsel. Seeking wise counsel is good for anyone who wants any of the following results. Let me know if any of these apply with you. Perhaps you want to have a better marriage. Maybe you want to be a better parent. Perhaps you want to be more successful in your job. Or maybe you want to be a better friend. Or you just want to gain wisdom without experiencing it firsthand, which I can tell you from my own personal experience is a huge time saver, allowing other people who have already been down the road to tell you what's coming up to help you stay on the right path. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for. I would hope you are as well. Having a team of wise counselors allows us the opportunity to learn from experiences of others without having to go through it ourselves. You know, if we are just a collection of our decisions and our time on this earth is finite, then that means we are not going to have time to experience everything firsthand. And there's a lot of stuff that I don't know about you, but I really don't want to have to experience firsthand. I don't want to have to go through a bankruptcy. I don't want to have to go through a divorce. There's a lot of unpleasant things that I would prefer to learn from through others' experiences. I want to study what it is that they did or didn't do that led them to that decision, and that'll help me to avoid it. Likewise, you can also learn in the positive sense from those around you. It's a very popular proverb that says, if you want to have what someone else has, spend more time with people like that. If you want to be wealthy, spend time with wealthy people. If you want to be smarter, spend time with smart people. If you want to be financially independent, study people who are good with their finances. It's not that something magical happens when you're in these people's presence. Instead, you're learning the perspectives and experiences and the decision-making tools that these people are using to get the results that they get and the results that you're looking for. Another benefit of having a wise counsel is it can help complement us 
where we each have our shortcomings. You know, I don't know about you, but I have limitations. I'm not good at everything. In fact, most things I'm not good at. There's a couple things I am good at, but for the most part, people are going to be my superiors in a lot of areas. And that's where the benefit of wise counsel can really take hold. When you get to the place that you can identify areas that you are either weak or you have opportunities to grow, or it's just a plain shortcoming, you have the option and opportunity to allow others to come in, have a seat at the table, and to compliment you in areas that you could use improvement in. Assembling a team of wise people to speak into our lives is a mark of both wisdom and humility. Let's, let's break that down for just a second. Assembling a team of wise people to speak into our lives is a mark of both wisdom and humility. What do we mean by that? Well, first, we are wise enough to know that we can learn a lot from hearing another person's perspective. You know, unfortunately, and this might come as a revelation to some people, but we are not God. We don't know everything. We haven't seen everything. And therefore, it's impossible for us to have every perspective in our heads at the same time. We only have our own. If we're lucky and really wise and really thoughtful, we can pause and think about another person's perspective. But that only takes us so far. If you really want to widen your own horizons and expand your perspective, then you have to spend time with other people and learn from their perspective because other people are going to see things in a different way from you and me. And that's a good thing. You know, there are so many times when we look at great feats that have happened throughout history, and typically it was never accomplished by one person. You know, even these stories that happen in the Bible of these heroic men and women that do things, they never did it alone. At the very least, and I don't mean this pejoratively, they at least had God. What I mean is anytime we want to accomplish something, it's going to take a group because when we're together in a group, we can complement one another. We can help make up for any of the shortcomings that we would experience on our own. And the result is something truly special. So first, we are wise enough to know that we can learn a lot from another person's perspective. Second, we are humble enough to admit that we do not have all of the answers. You know, there are so many times where people are afraid to ask something because they don't want to look silly or they don't want to look stupid in front of someone. But it's the truly humble person who says, you know what, I don't have all the answers and I'm okay with that. I would rather admit that I don't know everything, but I want to learn. I want to learn from what these other people know that I don't know. Because the result is, if I'm willing to admit that I don't know everything, I'm at the place where I'm receptive to hear the wisdom from someone else. And what's the net result of that? I gain more wisdom. You know, people who are full of pride are going to be just that, prideful with nothing else. I would much rather be humble, be honest about my own capacities and competencies, and then learn from other people and grow in my own wisdom. So what can the Bible tell us about seeking wise counsel, having wise counsel, the benefits of wise counsel? Where can we go to in the Bible to learn a little bit more about this topic? Well, the great thing about the Bible is there's a lot of places, and we'll only hit a couple today. First, we need to talk about King David and his mighty men. Now, King David started out as a shepherd and the lowliest son 
of a man who had a lot of children. He was the young son, and in a biblical time frame, the youngest really didn't make out all that great. The firstborn got a double share of everything, of inheritance, and then it went down the line from there. So there was nothing particularly special about David, but God had anointed him. God had called him as something special, and so his life was marked by the blessing of God. When David rose to a position of authority, he didn't rely on just himself to accomplish things. David had a team. He called them his mighty men. These are heroic men that accomplish great feats, but it's important to see they were always a part of David's wise counsel. The official report varies, but Daniel served under between three and six rulers during his time on earth as a wise counsel to them. Now, this is an interesting scenario because Daniel spent the majority of his life as a captive in Babylon. And it would have been very easy for him to have just said, woe is me, I'm not helping these people. But instead, he used his God-given abilities to interpret dreams and to make good, wise decisions to serve these kings. And he was blessed for it. Time and time again, we see that the hand of God's anointing was on Daniel. He kept him from calamity, uh, at the very least, in the most popular story of when he was put into the lion's den. Joseph served as wise counsel to Pharaoh, and this is after he had served 13 years as a slave in both Potiphar's house and as a prisoner in Pharaoh's jail. Proverbs, the book, is a treasure trove advocating us to have our own wise counsels to learn from. Here's just a few scriptures that can get you kind of started in understanding why this is so important. Proverbs 12:15 says, the way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no good advice, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Lastly, Proverbs 15.22 says, Without counsel, plans fall, but with many advisors, they succeed. We're seeing some themes here. First of all, the way of the fool is right in his own eyes. How many times do we think that if we just ask our counsel of one, ourselves, that what we're doing is great? It's no problem. I'm winning. But it's when you take the advice of others and get other per people's perspectives that you can start to paint a more accurate picture of a situation. Our second point, where there is no good advice, a people fails. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Again, we're seeking multiple viewpoints, multiple perspectives. We are looking to hear and see things that we can't get from our own lens or viewpoint. Lastly, without counsel, plans fall, but with many advisors, they succeed. You're starting to get the theme here. The more wise people we put at our table, the better perspectives we're going to get so we can avoid the pitfalls that sometimes happen when we have our blinders on and we're only following ourselves. To piggyback off of Proverbs, let's look a little more deeply at Solomon. Solomon was the wisest person to have ever lived, aside from Jesus, and even Solomon knew you needed others to speak wisdom into your life. You know, even if, and this is important, if the wisest person, the Bible says it, to have ever lived saw the benefit in having a team of wise counsel, surely the rest of us could benefit from it as well. 
None of us have all the answers or all of the wisdom. Choosing not to seek wise counsel is like driving a car with a dirty windshield. And I want you to picture that. I want you to picture driving down the road with a dirty windshield. You know, most of us would just say, well, I'm going to clean that. But this is how silly in context, if, if we don't look at the analogy this way, this is how a lot of us will live our lives. You know, we might get to where we're wanting to go, but it's going to be a lot harder and it's a lot more dangerous because we're not going to be able to see the warning signs that are coming down the road. We're not going to be able to see that the way we're going might have a closed road and we're going to have to detour. We might not see that conditions are getting a little rough and we need to slow down or that we need to speed up. You know, when we don't have anything beyond our own perspective, we're really limiting ourselves by what we're going to get out of a situation. So it's really critical that we see from the biblical lens how important it is to seek wise counsel, to get the perspective of other people that we trust. So now that we've discussed what counsel is and why it's beneficial, and now that we've discussed what the Bible says about having wise counsel and why it is, again, still so beneficial, how can we go about applying this concept of wise counsel in our professional lives and to you know, a byproduct or greater extent of that, our personal lives. We have four thoughts we want to hit today. First, we start by being honest with ourselves about our own strengths, weaknesses, and abilities. When we can honestly self-evaluate, we are in a better position to add people to our council that will complement an area that we are weak in. This is important because we might add people to our team that really don't complement us. You know, if we don't take the time to honestly self-evaluate ourselves, to find out what it is that we're really good at and what it is that maybe we're not so good at or maybe that we need improvement in, we don't know how to accurately add new players to our team. And that's a good way to think about it. It's a great way as a sports analogy. You know, as the coach, because that's what you are. You are the coach of your life. If you don't know what kind of players you need for your team, it's going to be very difficult for you to have a successful season. And that's what we're talking about here. We are talking about identifying what it is you need on your team, on your bench, at your wise counsel table to help you be more successful. So first step of that is we have to be honest in our self-evaluation. Humility doesn't mean we think less of ourselves. Rather, it is accurately assessing our abilities. There's so many times when people who say, uh, I'm being humbled or I'm, you know, this is humility, are seeing it as a negative. And that's really not what we're talking about here. There's a great quote, I believe it's by C.S. Lewis, but if it's not, I apologize. That's just who I've always attributed it to, where it says, Humility is not thinking less of yourself, it's just thinking of yourself less. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. What we're talking about is we're not always going to be the center of attention. We're going to evaluate ourselves, and then we're going to move on. What we're really talking about here is when we say humility or being humble, we are accurately assessing who we are, and that's okay. We are seeing what we're really good at, and we're going to be okay saying that. Likewise, we're going to see what we're really not so good at, and we're going to be okay saying that too. When we are honest with ourselves about what we're really good at, what we're not so good at, and just those areas of improvement, 
that's when we can really start that great growth and development. So our first thought, we've got to be honest with ourselves about where we are and our abilities so that we can start making improvements by knowing who to put on our team. Second point, we need to pick people that are loyal and honest. This is really important. We want people on our wise counsel that are loyal to us. We want people who have our best interests at heart, people who love us, people who care about us, but that will also be truthful with us. This is not a time to have a yes man or a yes woman on your team. That's not going to help you grow. That's just going to improve your ego, which is not something we all need. We all have big enough egos as it is. What we need are people that love us and that are willing and brave enough to speak truth to us. Because that's a real friend. That's a real wise counselor. Someone who can say, I love you. I care about you. And here's where I see you. Here are the things you're doing really good. But here are the areas that you're just missing it. These are areas you're weak in. Or areas where you need a lot of improvement. And I'm going to help you get there. That's when we can take those people who are complementary to our team and really use them to help grow and develop who we are. So second thought, we need to pick people that are loyal and honest. Thought number three, we need to pick people that will complement us in areas that we are weak in. We've kind of already been hitting this topic of, of complementary. You know, when we choose that team, we want people who are going to help round out who we are, that are going to help us to be the people that God has called us to be. And to do that, we're going to have to overcome some areas of weaknesses. Now, this can only happen after we have been honest with our own self-evaluation of our strengths and weaknesses. We're kind of going back to point number one here. If we haven't taken the time and we haven't taken the chance to be honest about where we are in our own strengths and weaknesses, we're not going to be able to pick people that can complement us. And if we don't do that, we're not going to grow. And if we're not going to grow, we're really not taking full advantage of the gifts and abilities God has given us. Because again, like we spoke about last week, we got to think about those talents as investments from God. And God did not give us those, so we would just bury them in the ground. God invested in us because he knows that he will get a return for them. Now, am I saying you're going to be famous, that you're going to be wealthy beyond your dreams and have power that's you know just beyond what you ever thought it could be? No. Not at all. What I am saying, though, is God has given all of us talents and abilities, and we are called, and we are responsible, and we are obligated to use those talents to give a good return on the investment that God has put in us. In order for us to grow and develop, we have to be willing to hear some hard truths about ourselves. We take it back to humility here. We have to be okay with someone telling us the things that maybe we don't want to hear. Maybe that we're not as good at something as we thought we were. You know, how many times do we think, boy, I am great at this. You know, if you want this thing, come to me because I'm your man, I'm your woman. I am great at this. And to come to find out, we're not very good at it at all. In fact, we might be bad at it. And it comes as such a shock. And, and it can kind of hurt because you think, oh, man, I can't believe I'm not good at this. I've been, I've been banking on this for years. But that's why we're taking the time to learn from others. It's so that we can see these, these blind spots, if you will, these, these areas that we could use improvement in. So thought, thought number three, 
we need to pick people that will complement us in areas we are weak in. Thought number four, we need to be willing to hear what other people have to say. Now, this is, this is different than we have to just pick people who um, are going to tell us some things that we don't want to hear. That's important too, but there's a second part of that. We have got to be willing to actually listen to the things they have to say. The people on our wise council love and care about us. Remember, we already talked about that. We're going to pick people that have our best interests at heart. We don't even have to worry about they're going to take advantage of me or I can't trust them because they're just going to tell me the wrong stuff and then they're just going to take over and I'm going to be left hurt and betrayed. No, that's not what we're talking about. We're going to already identify people that love and care about us and want what's best for us. It would be to our detriment not to listen to their wisdom. Again, we've got to check our ego at the door. We've got to be willing to hear what they have to say to us and then act on it. You know, it's great if we hear that these areas are areas that we need to improve in, but we also have to be willing to take action. We have to be willing to make some tough decisions and to work on ourselves, to come up with a plan of action that's going to help us get to from where we are today to where we want to see ourselves in the future. This is where real growth happens. When we are able to separate our abilities from our value and who we are in Christ. We need to talk about this as just a slight segue in our godly versus worldly identity. This is something I counsel my own employees with. I tell them, as a person, you are invaluable. You are valuable beyond measure because you're, and I have to be careful because we're in the workplace, but I make sure that they understand that they are valuable beyond what they bring to this position. Then I separate it. I, cat, I compartmentalize it and I say, but as an employee, here's where I see your value. Strictly as an employee, here's areas that we need to work on if you want to increase your value as an employee. This is an area that we can also apply in our lives. We can be firm and confident in knowing that we are children of the Most High God, heir to the kingdom of heaven, and that we are precious and valuable beyond measure in God's eyes. That will never change. But we can compartmentalize that and know that here on earth, as a person, we have areas that we could improve upon. And that's okay. None of that detracts from the fact that we are beyond measure of value with God. So we've got to be able to say with confidence, I know who I am in Christ. I know I'm a child of the Most High God. But in order to get where I want to be on this earth, I'm going to be willing to hear that I have shortcomings, that these other people are going to tell me about it, and they are going to help me create action plans that are going to get me to where I want to go to see myself fulfill the plans God has for my life. Now we come to our final thoughts for the week. Thought number one, what is your plan of action for honestly self-evaluating your strengths and weaknesses? It's kind of like we hit every week. What is something we're going to do now, not something that's just abstract and in the future? What are we going to do today? What are we going to do to work on identifying what our strengths are or what our weaknesses are? There are a lot of tests out there that'll help you do this kind of stuff. There's the Myers-Briggs, which I'm not a huge fan of, but it's very prevalent and almost universal at this point. A lot of people use it, and that's great. The DISC assessment, 
is another one of those tools that I think is really good. You can do the strength finders test. There's a lot of opportunities for you out there. Even uh, Enneagram program. These programs are really great because they kind of tell you, here's what you're most naturally suited for. Here are strengths of yours and kind of the wheelhouse that you would find success in. Likewise, they'll tell you areas that perhaps you're going to struggle in or areas where it's going to be tougher for you or you need improvement in. So first thought, what is our plan of action for honestly self-evaluating our strengths and weaknesses? Second thought, who are the people in your life that you need to reach out to and ask to be on your wise counsel? Start thinking about the people that you interact with all the time. Now, you want to start with friends because you already know that these people have your best interests and that they care about you. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't be your friends in the first place. And you need to start thinking about areas that they could compliment you in. If you're bad in finances, you need to look at your friends who are doing very well. Now, it doesn't necessarily mean they're wealthy. What it means is they're good stewards of the finances that have been entrusted to them. Or perhaps you see a couple that has a fantastic marriage and you want a marriage like that. It's like the old adage says, if you want to be more like this something, you need to spend time with the people who already have or are already doing that something. Okay, so point number two of our thought, final thoughts, who are the people in your life that you need to reach out to and you need to do it now and ask to be on your wise counsel? And you don't have to be as formal as saying, please be on my wise counsel because that could creep some people out or they're going to, they might laugh at you because we don't usually talk like that, but you need to honestly come to these people and say, I value or I admire this aspect of your life. I'd like to get that for my own life. Can we spend more time? Can we have coffee? Can I, can I kind of learn and just hear your perspectives and how you make decisions in this area? And that's, that's great. That's okay. Most people are going to be so flattered and happy to do that. You're probably going to have no trouble at all adding those seats to your wise counsel. So our third thought. How do you plan to put into action the advice you receive from your wise counsel? Okay, so we've done our self-evaluating. We know our strengths and weaknesses. We have found those people in our lives that are going to really help complement us and help us to grow and to develop into the people that God has called us to be. Now comes where the rubber meets the road. How are we going to put these plans into action? You know, that might mean you keep a daily journal and you plan out for your week. Okay. I am going to work on these things in my marriage, or I'm going to work on these things as a business leader, or I'm going to work on these things to gain financial independence from a struggle with you know, perhaps debt. But you need to start thinking about now, what actions am I going to take? How am I going to start converting these from just thoughts into reality and reality into habits? As we close today, I just want to remind you all of why it's so important to have a wise counsel. God has placed special gifts and talents in all of us, and some of us haven't even realized the full potential of those talents yet. But when we take the time to identify areas where we could improve, or we could be sharper, or we could be better, and we could really reach the full potential of what God has given us, then we are truly reaching our calling. Then we are truly in a position to hear those sweet words, well done my good and faithful servant. Thank you for joining us this week. 
And remember, as followers of Christ, we are called to glorify God in our actions, to grow his kingdom through our example, to be a positive influence on others by doing the king's business. Thank you and have a great week. Thank you.